0: Welcome to the Salvatrice Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. We've got the Arnold Palmer Invitational, the API this week on the PGA Tour. Pretty excited for it, about 120-person field Gonna break it down here from a DraftKings perspective as well, maybe touch on a little bit of super draft multipliers. But if you are new here or if you're just returning, I appreciate you checking out my content. Thank you so much for supporting me. And and really what I do here is I cover daily fantasy sports and just a variety of different sports. Currently in season is the XFL, the NBA, and like you're seeing right here, some PGA golf. We're gonna go through it, and what we do on these videos is I target each pricing range: ten thousand dollars and above, nine, eight, seven, and six K ranges, and I'll, I'll touch on one or two players. It's early in the week as I record this, right and early on Tuesday morning. But I'll also be doing a Patreon exclusive podcast uh, with a a ranking sheet as well for my interests over on Patreon tomorrow on Wednesday if you would indeed like to check that out. So we're, we're in the depths of it right now in the middle of the Florida swing here. So just to kind of look at this course, it's at Bay Hill, of course, Bay Hill Club, Golf Club. It's 7,454 yards and a par 72. And since we're in Florida, you're going to get the Bermuda Greens. It ranked 15th out of around 50, 51, 49 golf courses on the PGA Tour last year in difficulty. So what you're going to get is a a relatively difficult course, no walk in the park, but a spot nowhere near like the Honda last week's at the championship course, which ranked number two overall, a winning score from Sun J M of six under. You're going to get much lower scores here. You have a much better field, so that's also a reason why. But before we get into this video I just want to say that I do have that Patreon exclusive content. I do run a $25 weekly giveaway in terms of when you're watching this video if you subscribe to any of the podcast platforms that counts as one entry for each and every one of them. If you leave a review it counts as three extra entries. You can leave reviews over on Stitcher and on iTunes. Feel free to leave them on both. If you do, you probably have a really good shot at just winning a free 20 bucks, 25 bucks. And then if you subscribe on the YouTube video and hit the notification bell that also counts. So trying to boost up some of those numbers, less than 500 away from 20,000. So I do appreciate that. And this video was sponsored by drafters.com. Drafters is DFS online snake drafts. There's no more draft. There's no more play drafts. So if you like playing on there for best ball or just snake drafts in general, well, this is your alternative. And I've been partnering with them for about a year and a half to two years. I really do enjoy drafters.com. And even if you don't, if you like season long snake drafts, this is very similar, but it's a DFS format. They do have PGA. They have NBA. They'll be having MLB and they'll be having best ball leagues for the NFL coming very soon. So check out drafters.com. If you want to start, sign up, even if you already have an account over there, you could use the promo code Sal 100 for a hundred percent deposit match up to $50. So you already have an account and you've already been playing. You want to put 10 more dollars in just to play tonight. Anyways, use Sal 100. You get $10 right back or check it out. suchdrafters.com sal drafters.com. Sal one al A L Let's know that you came from me and you get that pretty cool bonus. So starting at the $10,000 and above range, you have five golfers here. And I really didn't know where they were going to go with this. I mean, you have Sanjay coming off of a win. You have uh, the 9K range, which we'll get to, but Patrick Reed and and Adam Scott all coming off wins. You have guys who are struggling as of late, but premier golfers in the top 15 and top really um, 10 in the world when it comes to Brooks Koepka, Justin Rose falling outside the top 10, but still number 13 overall. You have Ricky Fowler, Jason Day for, I I mean, a year and a half to two years now struggling. So it's an interesting range on how they did the pricing. I guess I can agree with some of it. Uh, I thought we might see Patrick Reed in the 10K range. I thought we might see Brooks in the 10K range. So maybe some value there for how they're struggling. But if I'm to pick a guy right away that stands out at the top, it's got to be Rory at this point. Let me just tell you where Rory ranks in this field in a variety of different areas. Number one, strokes game total. Number one, strokes game tee to green. Number one in ball striking. Number one, uh, in off the tee. Number five in approach. Number 11 in his overall short game. And number one in fantasy points. Probably should not strike, shock anybody, but Rory has finished, um, Top 10 or better every single time we've seen them this year. Uh, he won, obviously, the WGC event back in November. He has not finished outside the top six. Um, he's only finished outside the top six once, and that was at the BMW last August. Uh, and before that, has not finished outside the top six since missing the cut at the open in last July. Has finished top five or better in every contest since the Tour Championship, which he won back in August. Yes, Rory is absolutely fantastic. He's won here as well. He has had uh, three straight top six finishes or better, never finishing worse than T27. You're going to need to get that elite course history, though, at Rory if you plan to have a chance of winning in DFS this week at his price tag of eleven thousand eight hundred. Now, I do think there's a lot of value. I think there's a lot of good six k value. I think there's a lot of strong seven k value, and surely one of them should pop off, which allows you to get up to Rory. Factoring in the rest of this ten k and above range. Yes, Bryson is probably the best trending golfer in terms of where his game is going with the upside, but I think he's priced for it. Hideki and Tommy Fleetwood, I question the win upside of those guys. So Rory, yeah, I like getting to Rory the most. If you told me to pick one guy, it's not sexy. He's five to one odds to win this thing. Uh, the shortest eyes, odds by far when Tommy Fleetwood and Bryson are sitting around 16 to 18 to 20 to one. So um, I'm not really trying to have an outright bet on Rory at that short of a number, but for DFS, I think it's okay for the number one ranked golfer in the world. If you told me to pick a second guy, I'd probably just go to the bottom of the price range where Xander sits. And now the issue with Xander is he's just always owned. He came off of around average 22% ownership at the WGC event he played at, 26% at the Genesis. I mean, these are chalky numbers in DFS golf for, P, uh, for GPPs. He has not been below 16% all year long, 18% at the Farmers, 18% at... Uh, waste management. So that's the main issue with Xander, but the game's been fine. I mean, he misses the cut at the Farmers um, after finishing T2 at the Tour of Champions, the small field event, but then he's been pretty much, he's pretty much right there and his putter has let him down. He's lost strokes putting in three straight events, lost 2.9 strokes at the WGC event in Mexico and still finished T14. So you're getting a game from Xander that everything is clicking besides the putter. Now, long-term last 20 tournaments or so, he's actually gaining strokes putting. So it's not something to be too much of a concern of, but this golf course is a spot where you probably want to be on with the putter as we've seen guys finishing um, just T8 or better with the putter over the last, I don't know, five, six years on average. So you're going to see Stokes gain approach, Stokes gain T to green. I'm actually looking at putting this week more so than not. Birdie or better averages, um, proximity around the greens, things like that is what I'm looking at. So it's interesting. I think Xander, he's probably going to be chalky, so that's the only drawback. But Everything's clicking for this guy. We haven't seen him here, here yet, so that could be a potential uh, issue, but if the putter gets going at all, you're probably getting a T10 out of him as long as everything else in his game stays good. He's, he's absolutely fire with his approach game right now, and his T to, game, T to green game has really never been stronger for the number 12 ranked player uh, in the world. If I drop down to the 9K range, it is a a mixed bag of of things down here. You have the past three uh, PGA Tour event winners in Sanjay M, uh, Patrick Reed, and Adam Scott, I believe in that order. So uh, Patrick Reed stealing that one from Bryson who's a thousand dollars more than him that's this is why I thought you would see maybe Bryson in the upper 9k range and Patrick Reed actually sneaking into the 10, 10k range so I think Patrick Reed's the guy that I like the most here. He's played here back-to-back years had a t7 here in 2018 he's now in the top 10 in the world in, in world golf rankings and we've seen the game look really good so far this year he had the t6 at the farmers the genesis ended up just losing pretty much off the tee it was a big issue for him around the green as well with the short game and then he wins the WGC event where he goes absolutely unconscious with his putter, gaining 11.8 total strokes. Uh, the best we've seen from him since the Tour of Champions to start here where he finishes T2, gets hot with the putter at 9.3. That 9.3, I think, was his best career mark until then he goes out and goes 11.8, which with the putter here is, is going to be important it's just a good class of a player. Look, you're not going to get the 35 to one outright odds on him, but I think it opened in some spots. 25 to one is where I saw it in most spots. Um, 26 to one. So $9,400, I think he's in play. Now there's a bunch of other guys. You can see the X's on them here. And if you're watching the video version, that's just me saying I have interest in Sanjay coming off of a win. Uh, finished t3 here last year pretty much his best performance on tour Uh, and that was right when we started to see him until he just won i mean ricky brooks jason day all these guys their games are a little bit concerning ricky has elite elite history here and he seems to be the guy that's um, getting it together the most he's had mixed bags of um, just events we're seeing him a little bit more now on tour brooks concerns with just his injury but you're getting a premier i mean top three in the world ranked player at that price tag so it's sort of a mixed bag of consistency when it comes to Sanjay um, and, and then just guys with injuries and, and who knows what's going on with their games like Justin Rose, Brooks, Fowler. So I think I like Patrick Reed the most out of this range. But I can get on the board of Jason Day here. Um So it's a little bit interesting for Jason Day. Haven't really seen him here, but the main reason that I've interest is really just where his ownership will be. He picked up some ownership at the AT&T Pro Am because, I mean, that's just his spot. Phil Nicholson, Jason Day, that's their spots. They get hot at the AT&T. They get hot at Pebble. Finishes T4 there. Makes sense. Um, but we saw him at Farmers to start the year and he looked good. His short game is around the green play was very strong. Uh, ended up finishing T16. Then he misses the cut at the Genesis, a spot where a lot of people ended up having trouble. So, Last time you see him, he's coming off of a miscut. Now he's at a price range of 9,100, sandwiched in a bunch of inconsistent golfers that we just talked about. And I'm just talking about GPP upside here. I think I can get to Jason Day if he's going to be three, 4% owned because he does have somewhat of a ceiling on him. The win upside, do I think it's there right now at 30 to one? Eh, maybe not in the outright betting market. Maybe I prefer Justin Rose at 40 to one. But I do think that $9,100 is an interesting GPP play for him. I'm very concerned with Justin Rose. He's lost a ton of strokes as of late. But I think I can get behind Jason Day at lower ownership because I've seen the upside from his game. Getting into the 8K range now, it's a loaded 8K range. And this is a big reason why that I think I'm, I'm kind of okay. In some lineups, if if I'm not going to get to Rory and I think Xander's going to be chalky, I'm just okay fading the 10K range. The 9K range, like I just said, has a ton of inconsistent pieces, but probably lower own. But then you just get to this loaded, loaded 8K range of about 10 guys down here where the Morikawa's, who are always owned, show up here. The Benny Ann's, who's always owned, and after having a terrible Thursday being like uh, T120 or something, finishes T4 at the Honda after a strong weekend and a strong Friday, really uh, going four under, I believe, to make the cut. But you're looking at guys in Mark Leishman, who's an ambassador of this event and has had great course history here. Two top tens and a win back in 2017. I think this range is great. Haven't seen now in a little while. He's been hot um, to start the season with a couple of top tens. Haven't seen Stenson all season long, but he has had three top five finishes in the last five years here. So this is a loaded range. You have premier golfers who are just top 30 to top 40 in the world all stuck in this range. But I think the guy who might stand out to me the most is Hatton, and his fifty to one number is appealing to me. Um, so so far this year, uh, so far this week, I've placed a bet on. Um, Hatton and, and I've placed a bet on fee Those are my two bets in the outright betting market to this point. Still debating on if I want to put anything on Bryson or anywhere like that, but I do like Hatton at this point. We have seen Hatton so far this year. We got to see him at the WGC event in Mexico. He opened it up. He finishes T6 and every single thing was clicking for him. He gained strokes across the board putting. He gained four strokes on approach, which I think is very important here. He gained 10.6 strokes T to green. And that was the best event that we've seen out of Hatton, uh, to Green, ever in, in the database that I'm using, Fantasy National. And, and that was one where it was the best since the 2019 Open, where he gained 9.7. So Hatton coming off of maybe a historically high event, but we don't need him to finish T6. I would love it. I would love him to win the event if I own him at this um, $8,100 tag. But he's in a price range where Hovland's at 8000 Morikawa's at 8400 They usually siphon off a ton of ownership. fee now. Benny Ann at 87. All these guys should pick ownership. I think they're all going to be balanced in ownership. I think Hatton probably goes low owned. At 8,100, I do think he has upside here. He's made the cut all three years. He finished T4 back in 2017. And he's a guy who can really just pick it up and score in terms of birdie or better averages. So I do like Hatton at 8,100 in this range as a great GPP and even cash game option. Getting to the 7K range now. Um, once we're here, I'll just once again say you should check out drafters.com, the online DFS snake draft formats. They're sponsoring this video, been proud sponsors for about a year and a half to two years of my content. All that stuff is linked down below, as well as some free DFS strategy guides that I've created. Um, and then other, uh, potential Patreon, other potential offers where there's some bonuses as well, super draft things like that. So I like this range a lot. Max Hama at 7,900. I've been riding him out this year. The guy's been absolutely fantastic. Um, And, and his his long-term performance is not going to look anything like his last five events, last 20 rounds, because he's just been killer this year in 2020. Things potentially have changed and, and he looks really good. Maybe it's just the elite social media game, but um, I'm probably going to continue to ride out Max Hama, but I, I am okay if people say, you know what, I, that's probably not for me. But to start off the top of this range, I think Ian Poulter looks pretty good. We've gotten to see him overseas a good amount. We got him We saw him handle, and that's a good way to put it, Honda, by gaining 5.3 strokes overall, was fine with the putter, gained everywhere, actually, and finishing T27. If you finish T27 at 7,600, it's not the end of the world, and he did that at one of the toughest courses, albeit a weaker field. But I think he's looked good. He's made the cut all five years here. Um, worst finish was a T46. or T forty six. He's had two top 25s, including last year. I think Poulter looks absolutely uh, okay to go to. Over his last 20 rounds, he's pretty much gaining everywhere. Over you know, long term, he does gain everywhere. So 7,600. He does have some rounds under his belt now this season. Um, I, I do like him at this price point. I usually get to some Scotty Scheffler. If I scroll down a little bit lower to this range, I'm gonna get to some guys who have been inconsistent but have upside. And one of them is Kevin Na. Now he's been cut three out of the five, three out of the four years he's played here. His best finish was all the way back in 2015 at T6, so hard to really take much from that. But talk about an up and down golfer. And maybe we're trending in the wrong direction. Starts pretty much the season off after the tour of champions, um, where he was really shaky, getting a T17 at the A max, looked really good overall, was strong on approach. Uh, and that's the piece that I like to see as of late last four to five. He's gained on approach and he gets to the waste management, gets a cut where a lot of people struggled. He struggled pretty much all across the board. AT&T Pro-Am gets hot on approach, gets hot with the putter, finishes T14, misses the cut at the Genesis, which I've said a couple of times for premier guys. And it was just a tough spot for a lot of guys. Then finishes T10 at the WGC Mexico, where a lot of things were clicking, including the putter gaining 5.9 strokes on approach. I do like Kevin Na. We know that he's a fantastic long-term putter over his last 20 tournaments, gaining 1.8 strokes per putting. He's the 30th ranked golfer in the world, 7,300. I'm fine taking a shot on what is a GPP play only for me in sort of an up and down type of player. Lastly, another guy that I'll get to somebody who usually picks up ownership, but hopefully now that he's in the 7k range, won't pick up as much ownership. He has played here twice. He has finished no worse than T29, which was last year. It's Carlos Ortiz, who's just a, in my opinion, a DraftKings darling. We saw him at 25% in ownership at the WGC event. We saw him at 15% at the Genesis. And we've seen him above 12% at the Amax and the Farmers. Only time he went low owned was the waste management, mainly due to price and other cheap options. Hopefully now that there's a couple of 6K options that I think are appealing and a ton of 7K guys you can see marked on my screen. Russell Knox, um, Grio, Gooch, Keegan Bradley, Brian Harmon. These are all guys down in this low 7K range that I think you could at least play. Maybe it takes some of the ownership off of Carlos Ortiz, but it's hard for me to at least not like Ortiz here. Um, If I just pull up where he was last year at this event in 2019, uh, the main factors for Ortiz last year was pretty much he lost 1.4 strokes putting. Now, if we're looking at Ortiz as a long term player, you're going to get him gaining strokes, about a half a stroke putting. So I'm not too concerned with that event and him not doing too much with the putter there. Uh, if you look so far this year, he's been pretty fine with the putter. Starting at the Amex, he gained 1.7 strokes putting. He did lose two at the Sony, uh, lost one and a half at Farmers, but as of latest last three contests, he's pretty much averaging gained strokes, including the T26 at the Genesis, where he gained 3.4 strokes with his putter. So Ortiz is just a $7,100 guy. He ranks in the top 30 in fantasy scoring for DraftKings, uh, and he's nowhere near that in terms of the pricing. He's, he's well below the top 30 in pricing. Um, on this slate. So I do think you get the upside of Carlos Ortiz here. Um, Just some of the things that I do like about him at 7100, other than what I've already said, is that there's just upside there, maybe not for the win, but made cuts. He's right now ranked 12th in this field in just strokes gain total. The short game is fine for him. A lot of things just add up. 13th around the green, short game overall ranks 32nd, again, for the price point that's going to be very strong. Let's head to the 6K range now. And again, if you're still listening to this, please do hit that subscribe button. Please do hit the like button. It does help me out a ton. If you're listening on the audio version, hit the subscribe button. When you have a second, if you want three extra entries into our $25 weekly raffle, leave a review on iTunes. um, You can download the podcast app. You can go in the desktop version or on Stitcher if that's easier for you. I really do appreciate the support. So two guys at 6,800 I do like this week, Matt Wallace and Lonto Griffin. Um, Matt Wallace's game seems to be trending in a positive direction. We know he has one upside in this range. Not sure if I want to put the the 150 to one, 125 to one outright bet on him. Maybe that number's already moved. But both of these guys do uh, indeed look appealing to me. So what you get here is Matt Wallace finishing T6 at this event last year. And if we just want to start with Matt Wallace, um, Matt Wallace last year finishes T6. He gets hot everywhere. I mean, he gains 2.5 strokes with the putter. He gains 9.3 strokes overall. It's a situation where um, finishing T6 for him right with Rory, that's the type of week that he had with Fleetwood. He was around all these guys, finished a little bit better than on here. So I do not have too much worries about in terms of Matt Wallace Um what his upside is the worries is obviously does it just everything that we've seen trending positively um fall apart and now when you say trending positively he finishes 58th at the wdc mexico he misses the cut at the honda but he misses the cut on the number after we saw an encouraging friday from him we saw the putter get going a long-term last 20 tournaments 1.8 strokes gained putting so he's a fine putter on a course now that matters for putting and he has the history here you've seen him at some of these similar tracks like a u.s open have success last year um Really, all we've seen him on the uh, on the tour over here for the PGA was at the Honda, which was a very difficult course, hard to judge him, misses the cut on the number. And then all we really see him is in difficult fields at the WGC events where you kind of have to press a little bit more. The Mexico um, back in November, St. Jude, that's the last time that we've had measured rounds on him. So I do think at this price range, there is some upside in his game, seems to be trending positively after making some adjustments. And then Lanto, Lanto, usually a darling for the DFS community in terms of in this price range, he picks up ownership. We've seen him uh, around 12% ownership or higher a couple of times earlier in the year at the Farmers at the Sony. We saw him picking up 17% ownership on average in GPPs at the Farmers. Long-term positive putter, 1.1 strokes gained over the last 20 rounds. Over his last um, closer to 50 rounds, we're we're also gaining strokes putting there. He had his worst putting performance in a very long time. And I'm just trying to see where this ranks out. One of the worst ever, if not the worst ever in the database here uh, at WGC Mexico, losing over five strokes putting. And he still finishes 29th because he got absolutely hot with the approach game. I'm fine getting Talonto. He gains everywhere over the last 20 rounds. You're not going to find that all that often in the 6K range he's gained strokes putting in three out of his last four in major ways. So I like getting here. I like both of these $6,800 guys, really not two against them in the same lineup, but I'm not sure if you have to do it. It really depends on if you're just trying to gun Rory in there at that point. But I think these are the two best upper 6k to mid 6k options. I'll give you one more to close it out. Doc Redmond at 6,300 might be the lowest that I'd go this week. Doc Redman has not played here before. We don't have measured rounds. He'll usually pick up somewhat below average ownership in the upper single digits to around 10%. I'd probably doc him at, at 6,300, put him down for somewhere around like 8% this week. Um, he's just been very... Very blah, but he's 6,300 now. He's not 6,800. Um, very average over his last 20 rounds. He does lose strokes in short game around the green and putting barely. Um, missed a cut at the Sony. Missed the cut last week at the Hana. So very difficult course last week. Makes sense. Misses the cut. But we did see him just make the cut at the Anax. Finished top 30. Finished 34, T34 at the Waste Management. Made the cut at the AT&T Pro. I made the cut at the Farmers and almost finished dead last at 64th. But as long as he gets you through the cut, there's not much more to ask for out of Doc Redman. He does have scoring upside in terms of just fantasy point production. Um, and he is not elite, but for his price point, I mean, being 23rd in T to green numbers, being ninth off the T, being 67th in DraftKings points for a guy who is ranked in this field like 100th in pricing is pretty good if you're just looking for averages, 12th in ball striking, My main issue and concern would just be really like the the short game, but at 6,300, it's okay for me to take a risk on that. And then he's 23rd in approach, which does matter to me here. So Redmond's in play. I have Matt every listed here because he won back in 2015 a very long time ago, but he's a much different golfer, a much worse golfer in my opinion, and he's made missed a cut through the last four years here. So that's pretty much it. I have Brandon Matthews start just to mention him making his PGA tour debut. Not really sure if that's somewhere that you would actually want to go, but Redmond below 6,500, the best thing, at least to me, I'll put this back to the the main page here for the YouTube folks. So that's where I'm at right now. Hopefully you enjoyed this video and podcast. Just as a recap, Rory and Xander in the 10 K plus range. Patrick Reed stands out the most in that 9K range. In the 8K range, I really like a lot. I'm not shocked if I have lineups that have like four 8K guys and I just go completely bounce. But Tyler, uh, Terrell Hatton, he stands out the most from a GPP perspective to me. 7K range, I like Ortiz. I like Kevin Na at the bottom end. I like Ortiz a good amount, more security there. And then Ian Poulter at the top end, I do indeed like. 6K range, both $6,800 guys and Matt Wallace and Lanto. And then 6,500 and below is going to be Doc Redman for me. Those are just a sample of guys. I have more on the video version. If you're watching, you can see them start. I'll have more tomorrow. We'll discuss including ownership percentages, where I'm at, where I think guys are overowned, underowned, under perfectly-owned, and where I'm going to be going on the Patreon exclusive podcast tomorrow. Thank you all for tuning in. Check out drafters.com. You can check out my Patreon exclusive content link down below in the description. And also, if you want to use the promo code SAL100 on drafters for you podcast folks that might not have access to the link down below, you can do that as well. Have a great rest of your day and peace out game. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you can please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.